everyone. Welcome to Annie's Pink Chair. I'm Annie Lobert, and this is where we bring real, raw, relevant issues to the table from a woman's perspective with wit and wisdom. You guys, I have a very special, anointed, beautiful woman of God in the studio today, and she has been through so much, and we wanted to bring you some hope today. She has a very special message, and her story is going to blow your mind. So if you're looking to think that you can't make it or that you're going to just give up or you don't want to continue and there's been something tragic happening in your life, you got to hear this woman's story because it's going to give you hope that you know that you need right now. So Miranda, I'm so happy that you're here today <laughs> and your cute hair and Ariel, like all the girls, <laughs> they see you when you go out and, and they, 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 they point at you and say, yeah. Ariel, mommy, it's mm -hmm. Ariel. Yep. And I love your Bible. Like, you do not downplay anything, do you? No. <laughs> like, I see your nails and your, see your tattoos. Now, you have guts because I never, I mean, I got tattoos because I had radiation therapy on my chest, like little dots, but it hurt to get it. I was like, ow, I don't know how people do tattoos. I'm like clueless with it. So I, I commend you. Your nails are cute. Thank you. And your Bible, like, this is significant yes. to me because... Especially because I know your story. No one else does. <laughs> right. They're about to hear it. But your Bible is like so, so decorated. Like it's kind of like a war veteran in a way, isn't it? Like Absolutely. you've got <laughs> all these medals on the Bible and you got your donut. And it's my legacy. Do you, do you think that that obviously like that, this is the central heart of who you are right now? Yes. And what I you've deal been with anxiety through. a lot. And so I love to paint and draw and color. And so being able to, um, get focused and paint and draw yeah. and do it in the Bible, it takes my anxiety right away. So. Right. And I'm really, I'm really proud of you being here today. And I know this is not easy because you want to share something about your past. And I wanted to have everyone kind of get to know you a little bit better. So I know that you were telling me earlier that your dad was, um, he was an alcoholic. So was my dad. Isn't alcoholism terrible? <laughs> right. And Horrible. my dad was really abusive. So was your dad abusive too? Yes. Very abusive. And you were the firstborn, and you had three brothers, mm -hmm. right? So what happened when you were growing up? So I grew up in a home where um, my dad was a drug addict and an alcoholic, and um, he took a lot of his anger out on me and my mom. Um, we, My mom um, finally ended up exiting the situation, um, and we had to live in a shelter home and um, ended up coming out here. Uh, right. My mom's family is out here. So, How long were you in the shelter for? Um, probably about a month. Okay. Um, and it was a battered woman's sh uh, shelter. That's, so. that's got to be traumatic in itself. Um, and it was during Christmas, so Christmas time. So you probably saw um, a bunch of kids there that were, like, yeah. having a hard time? That's when I stopped believing in Santa, because like, Santa didn't uh, come for us. We're Santa! <laughs> right? Um, so, oh, that's sad. They didn't come for the shelter. <laughs> it, they, we got, I think I got um, a little baby doll, actually, but it wasn't nothing that I had asked for that I was used to, and so I'm like... Something's funny here. Santa didn't give me what I wanted this year. <laughs> Did I, I do something wrong? Yeah. Um, so... My mom finally got out of that situation and came out here, um, and then he ended up following us out here um, when he got out of jail. Because he 
wanted to be with the family. Right. <laughs> and he was a little bit... Yes. Stalkerish. Very. Um, came out here, and my mom got sucked into the chaos again, and I begged her not to because I was scared she, he was going to actually kill her this How time. How old were you at this time? Twelve. Okay, you were just a little girl. Yes. Um, so I kept begging her not to... Not to um, go back, and mm-hmm. my brothers were begging her to go back. So um, she was torn, and she ended up letting him move back in and getting back sucked back in. Right, um, and that's what DB does. It's a cycle, right? <laughs> you, you get the honeymoon phase, and then the the mean phase, and the present phase, and you're <laughs> yeah. beautiful. I can't live without you. Right, that's exactly psycho. Doot, doot, yes. doot, you know, <laughs> that's exactly what happened. And then. Um, he was still on the drugs, yeah. um, alcohol. We were we would find drugs on the back of our toilets and on the sinks, and um, just he would be very careless with it. And um, my little, my youngest little brother was only two at the mm-hmm. time, two three, and um, he. One day I had got home from school and I would walk home, um, and because my, my mom worked during the day. And I would go pick up my little brothers from middle school and mm-hmm. elementary school and walk home with them. Yeah. And one day I got home early that day. Um, and when I walked up the stairs, the door was open, wide open, and all of our stuff was like piled in the living room from all the bedrooms, mm-hmm. from everywhere. It was just like a big pile of stuff. And um, I thought someone broke in the house. And so I called my mom and I'm like, someone broke in our house. The front door was open and stuff was everywhere. And I guess my mom and dad had gotten into an argument that morning and I didn't know that at the time. And so my mom's like, I'll be right there. Well, she couldn't leave right then. And, um, me and my brothers went into my room. She's like, go in your room and shut the door and I'll be there in a minute. So, Literally, right after I got into the room, I hear my dad coming up the stairs, and in the most evilest voice, and it still replays sometimes, um, he said, Daddy's home. And uh, he came in, and he was, like, so loud, and, like, just I just remember yelling. And he came into my room, and um, we were scared, and obviously I was crying because I was scared. And he told my brothers to start taking everything in the living room and go throw it in the dumpster. And there was stuff that we got my mom for like Mother's Day and right, different things, things right. that um, had meant stuff to us. And he made us um, start taking everything to the trash. And I froze. I was crying and I was scared. And he got into my face and he kept calling me the B word <laughs> um, oh. and screaming at me and telling me to quit being a BITCH. Right, right, and right, right. Um, started, told me to go, you know, throw the stuff away and. I wouldn't move because I just froze, and he ended up swinging on me. And um, after that, my mom ended up coming home and called the cops, and, you know, it was a lot of chaos that night. And that was the last straw, though. That was it. And my mom ended up leaving, and she, um, you know, got out of the situation and eventually met my stepdad and... We moved on. <laughs> um, my dad went to jail, and once he got out of jail, um, they actually extradited him from Vegas to Kentucky. Um, and we I didn't hear from him again until I was about 17. Um, and then a lot of stuff 
growing up um, in that environment when I was a teenager, I rebelled and I made a lot of bad choices. Um, a lot of things happened to me because of the situation that I put myself in. Mm -hmm. um, and then some things happened that were out of my control. Um, but at the end of it, it was me making bad choices um, and being lost and broken. And so I would sneak out. Yeah. I would go get drunk with all my friends. I would- A lot of trauma. You had a lot of trauma. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it just led to a lot of bad things um, mm -hmm. that happen. And one of the things that stick out to me the most that um, was a real scare for me is when I was 17, I um, met this guy on the strip. And he was older, but I was 17, so I didn't, I, I, I didn't even ask how old he was. <laughs> um, he ended up, uh, I ended up giving him my phone number, and he lived in Los Angeles. But he said he would come out here to promote his CD. He had a, he was oh, a little <laughs> rapper, <laughs> inspiring rapper. Um, so I'm like, oh, cool, he has a nice car. Oh. And, um, you know, I gave him my phone number. And how come that sounds like a pre-trafficker? It totally was. <laughs> um, so he was a pimp. Yes. And you didn't know it. I didn't know it at all. Um, wow. So, but he told me I was pretty and all the right things. You needed to hear it. So... I gave him my phone number and he said for me, you know, to keep in touch. So he ended up texting me and we text, only text on and off for about a year. Um, never saw him. Never, he waited until he turned 18. Never saw him. Um, yep. And wow. then I um, went and one day I, me and my mom got into a big argument and I went to my friend's house. Um, I ran away, mm -hmm. um, went to my friend's house and my mom I told my mom I wasn't coming back home. And so um, my mom freaked out and ended up calling the cops. And I hid. She didn't know where I was at. And so she reported me as a runaway um, with Nevada child seekers and right. stuff. And then I ended up calling the guy. And he happened to be in town that weekend. Oh, what a coincidence. <laughs> and, um, so I asked him to come and get me so I can hide and get away. And he was like, yeah, you know, I'll come get you, I'll meet you. And so um, I ended up, he came to my friend's house and got me and I went out with him and hung out with him that night. And then I ended up getting scared because my mom was like, I called the cops. They have, you know, they're looking for you. I'm printing out flyers, like all of the wow. things. So I ended up turning my phone off and because I got really scared um, that, you know, the cops mm -hmm. were chasing me. <laughs> Um, so then he, um, I'm like, okay, you know what? Just take me home. Just take me home. I'm scared. Like, you know, um, so he's, he's like, okay, where do you live? And I told him where I lived and I lived off if the 15, you would take the 15, like to California on Silverado Ranch. Yeah, right I know there. where that's at. So, um, we're taking the 15 and we ended up passing Silverado Ranch and I'm like, you passed the exit. And he's like, I know you're not going to go home. And I'm like, what? I need to go home. And he's like, no, you're going to go to California with me. And I'm like, um, I'm not 18 yet. Like, you can't take me to California. Wow. Um, he's like, no, you're going to California. And he took my phone and uh, he pulled out a gun and told me that I needed to be quiet and mm -hmm. not talk. And I immediately just started crying. I got so scared and I didn't know what was going to happen. And oh my gosh. Um, I cried myself to sleep. And when I woke up, I was in a garage. And um, he, we had just pulled in. And so I didn't see where 
we were driving to, or yeah, I didn't even know where I was at. And he took me into this apartment, and I noticed the apartment was empty. There was nothing there. And um, he put me in a room, and it had a lock on the outside, a deadbolt on the Mm -hmm, outside mm -hmm. of the room. And there was three other girls in the room, and they were tied up. And so um, he put me in there and set me by the closet. And then, yeah, it went from there. Um, Thank God I have the mom that I have. And God... Don't, don't finish, though, because we're going to come back and find out what happened. <laughs> right. Yeah, your mom prayed for you, didn't she? Yeah, she did. You guys, this is like a movie, isn't it? Like, we'll be right back, but Miranda's story is, like, just beginning. <laughs> so we're going to see you in a little bit. I'm Annie Lobert, and some of you might not know this, but I was sex trafficked for more than a decade in Las Vegas on the Las Vegas Strip. And I actually wrote a memoir about that whole scenario. And this book is my life story. And actually, my name in the game was Fallen York. That's a pseudonym that I chose because I did not want anyone to know that I was in the sex industry. That was my secret. But you guys want to know something? What happens in Vegas does not stay in Vegas, according to this book. You want to get this book because let me tell you, it's going to open your eyes to the epidemic that's going on right in our own backyards, right in our little beautiful America, United States, trafficking's going on. Just go to our website at hookersforjesus.net. Click on the picture. You can also get this on Amazon. It's also in Spanish and it's on an audiobook. Thank you. Welcome back to Annie's Pink Chair. I have my beautiful, anointed, and very special guest, Miranda, with us today. And you guys, I had, by the way, I just want to let you know, I had no idea, Miranda. <laughs> she tells me this story just now in the studio, you guys. Uh, I got kidnapped. I went to this room. And I mean, it's, we're laughing now, but oh my oh, gosh, girl, Christ. girl, you potentially trafficked. And I don't know what happened. So you were in California, don't know where you're at. You get in the garage, you go up to this apartment. There's no furniture, total telltale sound of a trap house Mm -hmm. slash, you know, prostitution (laughs) house, Mm -hmm. house of ill repute, AKA sex trafficking lair, right? Mm -hmm. Three other girls, they're tied up too. He Mm -hmm. brings you up there and you said your mom, what happened? So, um, he locks me in the room. Um, that night he comes in, he has his phone with him and he said, a lady just called, and, well, he grabbed my hand, and I have a cigarette burn mark right here. Oh, um, I see it. And Where does the camera can pick that up? That's your camera right there. Um, which was it's significant a tiny, yeah. in the story. Um, you can see it on the camera. Yeah. He grabbed my hand, and he looked, and he said, a lady just called, and she said that um, you have, um, my daughter's with you, and she has a mark on her hand. Um and uh, I know that's my daughter. So um, if you if you have her, which she found the phone number because she found a CD in my room, and the cops right. went through my room. And my sister goes, she's been texting her. Uh, my stepsister was like, she's been texting him. And so my mom just said she had a feeling that that's what happened. And um, so she calls and she says, that's my daughter. And I've called the cops. She's reported missing. Um, and if, you know, um, we'll do whatever, we'll meet you. You don't even have to show your face. 
just let her go, you know, like bring her. Um, is she okay? So he comes in the room and he's like, a lady called me. You're going to call her back and you're going to tell her that um, you were at your friend's, which my mom knew was a lie because I didn't have friends in California. Um, but I went along. I'm like, okay. Um, of course. He's like, you're going to tell her that you were at your friend's house across the street and um, you wanted to come, that you wanted to come here because he knew that I had, we had gotten in the argument and I ran away. And so um, he calls my mom, he calls the, my mom back and um, he puts the phone to my ear and he t- says, um, my mom's like, Miranda, are you okay? And she's crying. And I said, no. And I didn't know that he could hear, you know, I didn't think I just said no. And my mom said, where are you at? Where are you at? And I'm like, oh, I'm okay. Like, you know, and, but she could tell in my voice. Um, and then he knew something was off. So he kicked me in my stomach and grabbed the phone and, um, he beat me up pretty tough. And then, um, my cousin lived in California at the time. And so my mom called my cousin and my cousin ended up calling him, um, with the, she had a California area code, so he didn't know that it yeah. was related. Right, right, right. Um, and so he answered, and um, basically, um, they. He, she told him that she was. She tracked his phone, and scared him. Um, I don't know what was going on through his head, or what he was thinking, or if he had ever even been or done anything like what, what he was doing before, or what he was involved in, or who he knew. Um, but my cousin told him that if you don't bring her, um, we know where you're at. And she didn't. She just um, told him that. So I think he got scared, and he took me. He blindfolded me, um, put a gun to my side, and got me in the car. And then they met at the Beverly uh, Mall, and it's a huge Mm -hmm. mall in L.A. And um, when we got into the parking garage, he got scared, and he pulled back out and parked super far away um, and so we had a walk and he walked with a gun to my side and told me that if I did told him that what had happened, that he, he would kill me and he would come back for my family and he knew where I lived and he knew where my friend lived. Um, he picked me up there and that he would kill everybody that I loved and knew and, um, that I better not say anything to anybody and I better act like I wanted to come. And I called him and asked him to come, which mm-hmm. I did call him. Yes. Um, and so uh, we walked into the mall, and he had a hoodie over, but he had the gun. And I saw my cousin um, the minute I saw her from far away. At that point, I was like, I have nothing to lose. If he kills me, he kills me. I don't know what to do. Like, I, all this fear just came, and I just took off running. Um, I, I just, like, threw my hands up and took off. And I was running so hard, I ran right into her and knocked her over onto the ground, and I was screaming, call the cops, and there was a cheesecake factory right there, and I ran into the restaurant, and um, I guess my cousin had brought the cops with her, and I (laughs) didn't know, Um, so L.A. police was there, and um, they... That's why we do not need to defund the police. (laughs) Right, exactly. Um, The police took off running, and um, he ended up getting caught, and he's still in prison to this day. Wow. For and he was a part of a big sex trafficking ring, but he wow. wasn't. He was 
not familiar with 20 years or more for interstate trafficking kidnapping you get 20 taking them across the border and i believe there's another 20 added on to that sentence yeah so well you know that's just i'm so happy that you made it and i i'm so thankful i'm sorry you had to go through that but god is good right Yes. So, I mean, there's times I still, I look him up to see if he's still there because I'm oh like, my gosh. what if he comes after me? So Miranda, listen, have we have seven minutes left. How, how could we talk about, I know that you got married later yes. in your life and you have children. So I met my husband a few years after um, and my husband was also came from a broken home and I didn't have God still at the time. And so we both were a train wreck coming and waiting to happen. Um, and so we both uh, got caught up in just a whole bunch of chaos. And I got pregnant in the midst of that. And we had a son. And I had already had two daughters. And he had a daughter so that he was raising. Um, we ended up moving in together, got married, um, for raising four kids together. Um, Started following God. And <laughs> it was a mess and chaos and then one day things got really bad and very 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 bad that night and I woke up and I just felt this urge that I needed to go to church and I like you know and the Holy Spirit was calling you I'm like love it I think we need to go to church and he's like when you walk in that church is gonna burn down are you crazy I'm like okay my life has burned down I have nothing to lose at this (laughs) point I ran I'm leaving (laughs) let's go (laughs) so he's like okay I guess we're going to church um walked into church and left on our way out they were offering marriage bible study signups and I met this couple that um totally embraced us and was like fed into us and has like your spiritual parents in a way totally right. walked through our whole journey with us. Um, we ended up getting saved, um, yeah. got super intentional about our church, started serving, just everything the whole That's nine. Awesome. Your whole um, life changed. Huh? God was just like, "Woo, I got you now." You know, <laughs> um, my husband came from <clears throat> gangs and drugs and just a whole bunch of stuff, and um, dealt with a lot of anger. And mm-hmm. totally um, through those years of going to church, he just gave his life to God and. I mean, a man that had so much anger, I watched sit at my coffee table or at my kitchen table every morning reading his Bible to my kids and to himself and just to, was just so embraced by God and totally changed his life around. Um, and then he was diagnosed with cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of cancer did he have? Esophageal okay. cancer. Um, did he smoke before? No, no? never smoked. Okay. Um, so maybe it ran in his family then. Uh, they said that it was um, from heartburn. Oh, so that, that's very common. Yeah, um, especially in men. Yeah. Um, so we were devastated, and I'm like, God, we t- we just gave our whole life to you. Why? Yeah. <laughs> Why do we have to go through this now? It's just been like and, one thing and, after and another. And someone might be asking that right now. Why do I have to go through this? Why yeah. do I have to have cancer? Why does my loved one have to be sick? Why do I have to face this death right now? Like, don't you think somebody could be thinking that Absolutely. right now? So what happened next? Um, so we were broken. and But at the end of it, we had two choices. We were we could walk away from God and get angry and get mad and, right. and walk away and forget everything that we've learned and everything that God did on, in our heart. Or we could come back even stronger. And that meant getting intentional about the Bible, getting intentional about God and what he was doing within that. There's a reason my husband was diagnosed with cancer. God has a purpose for all things, you know, and I'm like, there's a reason we have to walk through this. So let's a thousand percent, a thousand percent Mm -hmm. um, give 
all the glory to God because mm-hmm. all things, you know, Romans eight twenty eight, all things. That, he that's uses. my mantra. Oh, that's my life verse. <laughs> um, the molding of your heart, of God molding our hearts, because as he's molding us, he's looking at Jesus and he's like, I want to mold him like my son. Yep. Do you think that's what he was doing to you guys? Absolutely. Um, and my kids that were once raised in chaos and brokenness um, got to see their dad totally change and their dad totally surrender to God, even in the midst of him getting diagnosed with cancer. Um, so we fought that battle for three years. And um, on February 12th of 2019, God took him home. And I wanted to be angry. Yeah, it's um, been a year and a half now. Yes. And How are you feeling? Like you said, you wanted to be angry. In, in, in the beginning, I wanted to be angry and upset. And like, why is this my story? Like, um, God, like in, in Matthew, it talks about Jesus in the garden. And he asked God, like, take my cup of suffering. I want a new cup, you know? And, um, but he also knew that God's will had to be done. And so mm-hmm. God's purpose um, needed to be fulfilled. And if he didn't die on the cross for our sins... God's will would not have right, been done, right, right, and, right, you know. So in my life, as much as I want a new cup and I say, you know, I want to throw the cup that I have away and I don't want to look at it anymore. Um, I know that I'm walking through this for a purpose. And even though um, he's not here with me anymore, um, he is healed and he's with Jesus. And as soon as God's calling on my life is fulfilled, I will be with him again. And right. You know, that's only a matter of time. And so now I get to praise God for everything that he's done in my life and all the blessings and everywhere that he's taken me, even in the hard stuff and the stuff that I didn't understand. I know now that there's a calling on my life and there's a purpose that needs to be fulfilled and people need to hear about God and what he does in our lives. And even in the hard, bad stuff, when we're broken and lost and we feel like we have nowhere to turn, God has a purpose for that, and He uses it in such a huge way. And now my four kids have not only saw brokenness, they saw redemption. And now they get to see me. They got everything taken from me, and I have God, and I don't need anything else. I don't need anything. And as they grow up and they get older, they will be able to know that no matter what they face and go through, God has them. God has them 100% without and a doubt. I wanted you to just, you know, the Romans eight twenty eight. He mm-hmm. makes all things yes. work. Yes, for His for good. For those <laughs> who love Him. His glory. And are called according to His purposes. And, and you know what, Miranda, that's who you are. You are that girl. And I just want to thank you for being here. I, I'm like getting teary. I like, I, I'll have to have you on again because you have so much more to give. <laughs> and I know, I know you already have a ministry and is there a website or an Instagram that people can follow if they want to get to know you? Um, so I do a Bible journaling. It's creative ways to get into the word mm-hmm. because that's what changed my whole, mm-hmm. that's what changed me. Um, God's word is everything and it's life. And so it's called Duncan on Jesus. Okay. Duncan on Jesus.com. Yes. Duncan on Jesus. Um, well, the website is www.duncanonjesus.com. Okay. We'll have that on the screen. Instagram okay. and Facebook is Duncan on Jesus. Okay, right on. Well, I'm going to connect with you. It's so nice to have you here today. I love you. Thank you for having me. Nice to hear your story. You guys, what a, oh my gosh, incredible. Like 
this girl is anointed. And you guys, I hope that you got something out of that today because Jesus is our hope in all troubled times that we have. And I cannot wait to see you next time on Annie's Pink Chair. Bye.